Hello and welcome to the Vision for Teaching podcast, coming up on today's episode. The children can give their input, what would they like to learn under that heading, and you go from there. Understanding what they're particularly interested in about what we've covered so far. Then if they're doing counting, they're doing counting, they don't have to count little red riding things. My name's Scott and I'm joined as always by Mrs H. Hello. And Sarah. Hello. And today we are talking about a subject that I know a lot of NQTs in particular will be stressing about, will be anxious about, will be completely overthinking. And that is the subject of planning, the dreaded planning. So we're going to unpick planning. We're going to talk about what has worked for us. We're going to talk about things that we were concerned about this time last year. And hopefully we'll answer a few burning questions that I know a lot of you will have on your minds. So. Mrs H, just briefly talk us through, if you can, your school's approach to planning this year. How have you planned? What have you been using to plan? What does that look like for you? So it's been a really, really informative and helpful year for me because where I worked, we used the new curriculum, Curriculum for Wales documents for all our planning. Um, Obviously, on placement, we'd use the curriculum 2008, so it was very, very different indeed. What we kind of did is we'd do our medium-term planning, but it could take any form we wanted in a journal rather than being on an electronic spreadsheet or um, kind of any other restrictive way of doing it. So we would start by putting down our thoughts in a journal. But we always started with the why, and we used the four purposes to drive our themes I guess you need to know your class, which is really difficult at the start because you don't know your class. So that means you need to have good communications with previous teachers and you need to know what's already been covered because you just don't really want to duplicate. So I chose, this time last year I chose a theme. I knew that there were things, um, I wanted to use the ethical informed citizen as um, the driver for my theme and I knew that it hadn't being covered with that year group so it was ideal and I could do what I wanted. We have immersion days where you kind of introduce the topic of the theme and the children can give their input what would they like to learn under that heading um, and you go from there. I don't believe it's beneficial to let the children choose the theme. I know some schools do but actually you're a teacher you need to use your professional judgment I think that's really important though because so often we hear about pupil voice being really important and and it is when it's used in the right way and it was a conversation with another teacher who said listen there's a time and a place and teaching is all about balance yeah it's all about keeping all the plates spinning yes you do need pupil voice to a certain extent but you are the teacher you're qualified you've gone and got your degree you've got your teaching qualification you're the one who knows the best way to get across whatever skills you want to learn so you do need to control that topic but you can give them choice at the right time within it so Mm. if there is a genuine 50 50 moment where you think we could do it this way we could do it that way then let the kids decide that's fine that's great you know if children are given choice over whatever they want to do they will choose Fortnite. they will choose um tiktok tiktok and, and bear in mind, they shouldn't be using any of these, but no. they're the things they will say they're interested in. And they are not topics. They mm. are interests that they have. They're hobbies at best. 
And, and actually having that conversation made me think, yeah, you're right. I, I need to decide what the topic is or we as a team, if you're, if you're planning with others. And then the learners will get opportunities to plan and to, and to make decisions, but they shouldn't control it. No, I think it needs to be guided, doesn't it? You need to Absolutely. guide and to give them what appears to be choices, but guide them to make the ones that you've planned for. Yeah, but you know, you're right. If they genuinely throw up an idea that you hadn't considered, and, yeah. and this happened in one of my topics this year, that's great. That's brilliant. That is pupil voice. But asking them to mind map all the ideas they have mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily, it can work but it shouldn't be your go-to at every opportunity, I, I think. That's, and I think. You know, it's my opinion. Others will disagree, but that's my view of it. I think in my experience of it as well, sometimes um, it can waste an awful lot of time just in the fact that it's really difficult for a class full of children to all agree on one thing because they all, they all have their ideas and they're all equally as important as the other one. And you just end up sort of battling it out when there's really, you could have just been getting on and like you say, doing a mind map of other things to learn. If, if, if that topic is already decided, then yeah. go from there. On placement, um, we were reading a book, I think it's called Cogheart. Anyway, the, uh, featuring in this book was an airship. So we kind of, the pupil's voice part of it was, right, what do you want to learn about airships? So they wanted to know how the, how they flew they wanted to know the history of them they wanted to know why they didn't fly anymore so that was that set out that was quite simple we had a role play area even though it was a year four class we had a role play kind of reading area and we were like right we want it to link to the book in somehow what do you want us to do in that role play area and they all designed lots of different designs we chose the best one and we made it into a big airship with lots and lots of white balloons but that was their pupil's voice and that was giving them ownership of you know the rest of the lessons that were all very structured around what we had planned. I think um, another important point is that it's got to be age appropriate because if you've got a nursery class and you think oh I know let's let's look into space that's fine but there aren't going to be many nursery age children that know any more about space than the fact that there's a stars and there's stars, a moon and a sun. You can't necessarily do a whole theme on that. But by the time you get to year three, obviously that's developed. Their experiences have developed. Their understanding has developed. And again, by the time you get to upper key stage two, you've, you've got another level again. I think you really need to think if you've got a nursery class, it's got to be based on the experiences they've had to date. And then you can branch out from that to local issues, national issues, global issues as they get older. But I think it's way too abstract otherwise in nursery. You're absolutely right. But that that applies, that logic applies to all year groups because my year five class this year, um, we launched a brand new topic that hadn't been done before, which was, uh, we, we called it Understanding South Wales. So it was, the idea was that we would look at our locality and within that, we could look at the geography of it. We could look at the history of it. And to use old money now, we could we could look at some writing from authors in that area. We can look at artwork produced by local artists and people like Rhiannon Roberts, for anyone mm-hmm. who's in South Wales, who very, very good at what she does. So there was a lot of scope for it. But the idea then was we would be able to compare our world, our 
locality to elsewhere in the world. And what that threw up, just to your point there, is that a lot of children had no concept of anything other than the life they lead. They, they had never travelled, they'd never been on a plane, um, you know, they, some of them had never left Wales. So we had to do a lot more legwork to explain how life worked in these places and, you know, why does China have a policy, or did have, sorry, a policy of one child per family? They can't comprehend the overcrowded nature of China because in Wales we don't have that so there was a lot of things that we thought of that would have been great but we had to put that groundwork in place first so when you reflect on it and and that is a big part of any planning is reflecting on how things are going it did take longer to get to certain points because I had to do a lot more work than I expected to but if I was to do that topic again next year I would know that so I would plan differently and that's that is part of the planning process is that long-term planning just as much as what am I teaching tomorrow it's when I teach this again next year I need to remember that this was an issue that was an issue and and put things in place for that but you're right the concept has got to be something tangible and and manageable for them because if it's too abstract they'll they just won't buy into it with all that said Scott I think um you know I, I don't want to sound like I'm saying that how teachers have done things in the past is bad. But I, I do find that in schools, and I found this on placement quite a lot, that um, people, some teachers will stay in the same year, stay in the same year group and teach, you know, the same things year in, year out. So the fact that you did something different, and okay, it might be used again in the future, but hopefully now the new curriculum allows teachers to break away from that you know you've got to teach you've got to teach i don't know but i think that comes back to what i said at the beginning you need to know them and you need to know what they need if you're if your aim ultimately when they're 16 is for them to satisfy all of the four purposes and the criteria underneath them you've got to be working towards that you can't just teach well in my opinion you can't just teach tudors every year because that's what you've always done because that that i I just feel that it becomes a bit you become a bit complacent perhaps no you're you're both absolutely right and I'm really lucky in my school because we're not the type of school that tends to repeat things for the sake of repeating them and even this year we we did Victorians in the first term which as an NQT I was really grateful for because I was I was planning with two other teachers who had done this topic a few times over but each year they'd done it it was slightly different you know they they were willing to change the resources or um you know look at a slightly different aspect of victorian so last year they looked at victorian toys we didn't do that this year we we you know we spent a bit longer looking at kind of coal mining and how that impacted wales which beautifully led into this next topic which was understanding south wales but that wasn't Mm. that wasn't the intention it's just it's always nice to have that link um so even though they do potentially follow similar subjects uh, similar topics it doesn't always look exactly the same every year because i think as a teacher if i was teaching victorians every autumn term south wales every spring term and under the sea every summer term for instance i i just lose all my passion for being creative and you know that's what that's a big part of what teaching is isn't Absolutely. it exactly and i think maybe sometimes that is slightly what's happened because 
there isn't any enthusiasm for these subjects anymore because that teacher might have taught it for the last three, four, five years even. And, and, yeah. and they're, not, they're not interested in really looking at creative ways to teach it now because all their resources are there from last year. Why would they, you know? And to go back to what we started talking about, pupil voice is quite important for that because although, mm. I mean, we've, we sort of, we were quite negative about pupil voice, but there is a time and a place for it. And that would be the time and place I would use it is listening to the, to the learners and understanding what they're particularly interested in about what we've yeah. covered so far. So when we designed the Understanding South Wales topic, we didn't start with learner voice, pupil voice. We, we went straight in with some work we planned. So for the first two or three weeks, we just focused on our planning. Then we started looking to pupil voice, not in the sort of, here's a piece of A3 paper, make a mind map of everything you want to learn now, because the fact is they don't know what they don't know. Mm. <laughs> like, you can't ask children what they want to learn about in South Wales or the world if they have no understanding of the world. So we led them to certain points and then started listening. What have you really enjoyed about this topic we've looked at china so far what did you enjoy learning about in china and some of them said you know the the kind of um celebrations that they have because obviously they're not christian so they don't follow the same celebrations we do all right that's interesting next time we look at a country then a different country let's really focus on that because that's something they're interested in that's how we use pupil voice mm. to make it different so if i was to run that topic again next year I might hear them saying, actually, we're really interested in the food they eat or the type of houses they live in, in which case we're not going to go down the route of celebrations yeah. and religion. We're just going to focus on living situation. And that's how it can change every year while still doing the same topic. You mm. mix it up a bit and you, you, know, you respond to what the children are saying. That's for me how I would best use pupil voice, mm. not how do you want to start the topic kids what do you want to learn about because they don't know what they don't know yeah i agree i think something else which is um that i've learned this year is i think we did a, uh, an assignment on um well i certainly covered it in one of my assignments i can't remember which one it was in our final year but um to not link everything to the theme. So your math mm. doesn't have to be linked. Your literacy doesn't. Great, yeah. if, it, if there's a natural link and it works, yeah. that's absolutely fine. And obviously if you chose yeah. a theme based on the back of a book, you might then pick, up, pick things up in literacy. But I feel that sometimes there's this need and everything has to be linked. And the t links yeah. become so tenuous that it's embarrassing almost. I, mm. I just think, absolutely. don't, absolutely. my advice would be just, well it depends on your school i suppose but so if you have the option to don't, don't feel like you have to yeah yeah, yeah no, definitely yeah. the children become right. so fed up with it as well and saturated with it they just it, it, oh, it just yeah. again loses its power doesn't it I, so i'm sort of planning for my um my class in september and we're doing traditional tales so at the moment there's lots of planning around um little red riding hood which is fab for me love love all of that but I just keep thinking I'm not going to do a PE lesson with them pretending no. to be Riding Hood and somebody no. pretending to be the wolf because what did they, there's no point in that. There's, you know, that's just basically having a little game. We can do that outside in well, the yard. Exactly, they'll do that in yeah. role play potentially. Yeah, exactly. If it happens naturally, organically, and the children mm. start bringing the, the stories, in your case, Sarah, into what they're doing, that's brilliant. Perfect. 
but that's if, what you want, but if it's it? forced if it's forced yeah you you don't have the same effect yeah, yeah. and the top and you know it, just run out of steam yeah and if i'm doing maths then if they're doing counting they're doing counting they don't have to count little red riding hoods absolutely yeah, yeah. you know i i think you can end up creating so much work for yourself mm. when in fact doing it in any other way would have worked just as well and like, they'll get to the sight of little red riding hood if you if of you course open. they will but that's all they'll be thinking about whereas actually we want to broaden their mm. their experiences we need to mix it up a little bit you can't yeah. have every aole and every subject within it linked to one topic I, i've not yet found a topic where that works and doesn't feel contrived or you know tenuous links for yeah. the sake of it yeah i've kind of tried to think about right what's in the story so we've got a forest in the story so similar in i guess in a way to you scott i'm trying to do looking at the landscape of the local area and the forest and maybe what was there before and now the mines aren't there how they've got these nice forest parkways and things so to try to link it like that rather than you know the history of little red riding hood and yeah wolf. And and that's why we came up with our topic about understanding South Wales, because we just felt there was so much scope there to look at the history of South Wales, the, mm. the, the geography side of it. Where do people live? Why do people live there? Why did people first come to Wales? That in itself took two weeks. That was great. Yeah. Um, there was loads of scope for stuff that we actually didn't get to. But the topic naturally sort of ran out of steam. And there was probably about six or seven points on there that we didn't get to and next year could do if we wanted to, but there might be new stuff next year that actually yeah. even replaces the stuff we've done so far. But that's well, fine because the topic good. naturally ran out and, and yeah, it's time to move on. That so much has happened this year, you know, to, yeah. in South Wales. Things have changed. Yeah. Life has changed. So I envisage Absolutely. topics that you might choose would change. Like you say, if that um, pupil's voice is used correctly, then yeah. each sort of cohort of children will have a different set of things that they're interested in, a different way that they want that of topic course. to pan out. And you've got to consider as well what they've done in other year groups. Mm. So if, yeah. if I was to do Understanding South Wales with my year fives every year, that's great. But if year four suddenly decide they're going to jump on that bandwagon because they really love it, and of course they do, it's a great topic, why wouldn't they? That creates a problem for me next year if I'm still in year five because now they've already covered South Wales. What am I going to do differently to, yeah. to, to mix it up? Or maybe I scrap it all together. But it's that understanding, isn't it, of fine for this year. If you're an NQT this year, um, you can ask all those questions. But then if you're still in that same school next year, particularly if you're still in the same year group, it would be worth keeping half an eye on what other year groups are doing because that yeah, might either give you inspiration did. or prepare you for what's to come. You know, in, in a school works very well, doesn't it? Because you can talk to the teachers of each year group. You can kind of all... Especially all as an NQT. Yes. You know, the, the chance to plan with other people is invaluable. I think if you're, if you're in a school where maybe it's one form entry and you don't, sort of plan with anybody else then um it is going to be tougher there's no question of that it is you know you're not going to have the same resources to draw on because i was very fortunate to have two you know very experienced teachers who i was so grateful for in that first half term but so equally grateful. you might find that you're paired with people that yeah it just doesn't yeah you know, i was one form so it, it was fine but i i have heard that you know other people if you're two three form intake then 
you know, if you don't get on with them, then it's it can make natural, it really hard. Isn't it? You're not going to get on with everybody. And, and I know we've talked about this before, is, you know, Sarah does, but that's, do. you know, that's, you're, you're a one-off. <laughs> the other thing is with a lot of topics I find, and I don't know, going back to your point earlier, Sarah, if this is just because it's the way it's always been, very often topics just by a beautiful coincidence always end at the end of a half term or at the end of a term. Yeah, why? It's just an amazing coincidence, isn't it? That your topic runs out exactly when the when the term runs out. Mine didn't. Well, that's didn't. exactly what <laughs> I wanted to say is that why why do they? Why should they? Because a topic runs as long as it feels comfortable to keep going with it. And when it runs out, it runs out. And if that means you start something new midway through spring term, Absolutely. Why, why not? Absolutely. Why not do a three-week topic and then move on to something else? If you are listening to pupil voice as well and working on what they need and remembering that that is key, if after three weeks, like you've said, Scott, it's just dying of death, scrap it. Do something else because it's clearly not meeting that need. If you put in teeth... It did, but it stopped meeting the need and that's fine. Time to move on. And equally, I mean, we launched a theme... Um, across three classes and that's two year groups we launched it in January and we thought that it would finish at Easter um, yeah. because it was quite a, a hefty theme but actually had we not shut it would have carried on until May and culminated yeah. with a massive performance for parents and they were working towards you know making tickets pricing up yeah. refreshments and all things like this it would have gone on for a long time um, yeah. because it had enough meat in it but if you've got a theme that it just dries up, then there's no shame well, in just scrapping I, it. I think we're going to do something about well-being when we go back in September. Now, obviously, last <coughs> September, we started with Victorians, as I've said. Um, now, I don't know whether we'll do a bit of well-being and then do Victorians later in the year or whether we just won't do it at all this year. I don't know. But well-being, until that topic is properly fleshed out, that could be anything. That would be ongoing anyway. Once you know yeah. things are set out, I did, absolutely. I, going going back to you, you talking about the mystery of why a topic finishes at half term, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit similar. I wanted to say to the other teaching mystery of why you know a maths group, if you've got um, different different abilities in groups in your maths or your English, why they're always quite an even number. And <laughs> That is another mystery. <laughs> I wonder why. How you can split children into three groups of lower ability, middle ability, and higher ability. Ability so grouping has got to be <laughs> another podcast because, my word, that is a minefield. Yeah, we'll come back to that in a, in a later episode, Sorry. I'm sure. Can I just um, maybe mention, um, if you're thinking about the planning that you did while you were at university and the length of those lesson plans, we've all been there and... Blimey. That, never again. But never I, again. I can see the, I can see the value in it because I don't think I would be as thorough in my planning now. However, yeah. it really does encourage you to examine your navel over every little thing. And I would just yeah. although you've got to go along with your school's planning expectations, if they say to you don't put much detail in you don't have to put much detail in. We're not looking yeah. at an evaluation of every move every child makes like we are at university. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's very, very different. You don't and you're, not, you're not tracking certain learners either, are you? Like in, no. uh, certainly in our no, time in Just university, the whole class. 
you're you're tracking all of them. You can't track thirty learners or thirty two or thirty three or thirty four in my case. You can't you can't do that in the way that you did in university. So you have to change the way you work and and part of that like you say is planning you can't necessarily plan the same level of detail as you did for those lesson plans but your school almost certainly won't expect you to i've not come across a school with that level of detail the key difference i think is at university the planning they say is for you it's not it's for tick boxing and to make sure that it satisfies the criteria for whichever body I felt, you know, don't get me wrong, I got an awful lot out of university, but I do feel that I came out of university knowing how to do a really good lesson plan that university liked. And I wasn't so confident with my teaching ability. And I think that should change. So university proved that you can create really good lesson plans but I think it's easy to get wrapped up in the planning and forget what it is that you actually want the learners to take away. Like each lesson, know what it is that you want them to actually learn because all the best laid plans can go right out the window if you can't actually teach whatever it is you're trying to get across. And I think that can be lost sometimes in over planning. It's, it's that ability, isn't it, to think on your feet and say, all right, the lesson isn't going how I thought it would. But as long as we get to that end goal, it doesn't really matter. Whereas when you were in uni, you had to follow that lesson plan because you'd set your time in so that they were doing a group discussion at this time and you were going to do your plenary at this time. But as a teacher, you, you don't need to worry so much, do you? You just need to get to that end goal. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. and we were very focused, weren't we, on this lesson has to be taught in this time and we ha- yeah. there, there was no mop-up. But the reality is when you've got a class there's going to be children that are pulled out for music lessons and they need to cut yes. some time back yeah. later on. to cut. Just try and be as flexible as you can. And that's coming from somebody that is a complete control freak. So, oh, absolutely you same, know, yeah. absolutely I understand same. how hard it is, yeah. but it'll help you if you can be kind of flexible. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you're aware of what it is, those, those takeaway moments, those takeaway things that you want the children to grasp in a lesson, then it's easy with a very few simple questions to find out who has and who hasn't and if they haven't then try something else another day it doesn't have to be end there and then that's it they haven't got it you just keep going until they get it yeah it's not job and finish is it that's really the the kind of the way we approach topic planning as well on a slightly longer term scale so we look at what do we want the children to achieve during this topic what are the I don't know, four, five, six bullet points that we want to cover. And that's not content, that's skills, that's understanding. How we get there can change depending on all those things you've talked about. But so is that your medium-term plan? Is yeah, that, that, yeah, that would be our what we call our learning intention. So we intend by, for example, if I use the South Wales topic again, by covering this topic, we are going to look at um, how we live compared to how other people live. That is the intention. Now, it doesn't matter what country we look at. It doesn't matter um, what the lesson looks like to get there. And if it doesn't go to plan, we can just change. We can adapt. But as you say, being flexible is really important as long as you've got that end goal in mind. Uh, something that I think is important, I'm quite conscious I keep saying something that I think is important, but this is really important, um, is that you make time for you because planning can be all-consuming. Um, it literally, you know, you can find yourself just 
I've just got to do this. I've just got to do that. But just set aside some time, even if it's once a week, one evening a week, say I'm not doing it. I always said a Friday night is my night. I am not planning, I'm not doing any school work on a Friday night. And actually it was the same on a Saturday and a Sunday as well in the, in the evenings. Um, because you need that time for you. You need to recharge. Yeah. Might need to have a drink. Yes. And actually <laughs> lockdown this summer taught me that, that I wasn't giving myself enough time for me. Because when we finally did have that, you know, bit, bit more time, uh, it was it was incredible. Actually, I realised how exhausted I'd been. Yes, well, you you had been ill quite a lot as well because of just overdoing it. I think Scott, yeah. hadn't you? Yeah, no, definitely. It, it takes its toll, and you know, especially if you've come straight off the back of being in uni, and we've talked before about you know how all-consuming that is to then carry on with that and not give yourself that break when you're teaching full time. Uh, it's it's it takes its toll so yeah i think it's perfectly natural isn't it though to want to do so much because you just want everything to be really really great yeah but you You, have to remember that you're really important too you don't go into teaching to be a nine to five clock in clock out sort of worker do you 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 go into teaching because that's the the career and the life that you've chosen you don't go into it to work your hours go home and switch off and never ever think about it again that's the reality so Shall we share our visions from today's episode? Let's start with you, Mrs. H. Okay, so the big thing, and I think this is something I've learned a lot this year, um, is you need to understand your why. Why are you doing this? What purpose does it serve? And actually, what impact is it going to have on your learners? When you're planning a theme, what impact is it going to have? What do they need to know? And what purpose is it going to serve? Don't just plan something you quite fancy teaching if there's no purpose and it's not going to have an impact don't do it choose something else and also choose something if you can that you're passionate about because you have to teach it and if you get bored that will come across definitely Mm -hmm. thank you for that one and sarah right so my vision is that uh, again i go back to the all singing and dancing lesson plans that you've you come out of uni being able to create. Uh, I understand that that planning is important and it's a huge part of teaching and learning how to teach. But I just think if the focus when you're doing your initial teacher training could focus slightly more on your teaching, that NQTs might come out of teacher training with more confidence in their teaching ability rather than so much confidence in their lesson plans. feel that just that slight shift of focus may be really beneficial. So my vision would be that um, there was less focus on creating these wonderful lesson plans and more focus on, you know, building confidence in teaching ability. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, My vision just throws back to two points that I've made during the podcast today. And the first one is when you are planning, whether it's a lesson, whether it's planning for the week or even the the kind of medium term plan for a whole topic have an idea of where you want it to go what what is the intention of this uh, lesson week topic whatever it is you're looking at what do you want to achieve at the end of it what do they what should the learners have learned and as long as you've got that in mind it doesn't matter if the plan doesn't quite work it doesn't matter if a fire alarm goes off in the middle of a lesson and you know completely destroys your perfectly made plan as long as you get to the intention at the end of it, you've succeeded. You've done the right thing by those children. 
the second point that um that i kind of want to make is around when you're planning a topic specifically a topic don't be bound by the constraints of a half term or a term if it goes a little bit longer or finishes a little bit earlier but it's kind of naturally come to an end or you know you feel like you could take it in a new direction and breathe some life into it do it i i don't understand how we can have these perfectly placed topics that always end after six weeks or always end just before easter it just it's it's not right is it it's too contrived and it's not organic enough to to really hold up so that's that's an important point and if you end a topic because it's run out of steam but there's still ideas left that you thought you were going to do fine that's okay you don't have to cover everything you set out to do if the topic has naturally come to its end keep them in mind for next time you run it because you will you'll run it you know if not next year you'll come back to it at some point in future years just keep those points in mind and you'll be you'll be ready to go when that time comes that's it for this episode thank you very much for joining us thank you to those of you that have engaged with us on our twitter account at vision for teaching that's vision the number four and teaching we really appreciate all the messages we've had all the retweets and the likes because it really helps us get the message out there about this podcast if you want to follow the account you can do but you can also follow us on our own personal twitter accounts sarah where can we find you i am at smart teaching 20 uh, mrs h i am at mrs h underscore primary and you can follow me at mr han teach that's h-a-n-n teach keep sharing keep spreading the words we really do appreciate everybody that's playing their part in getting our message out there and thank you for listening once again to this episode we will speak to you all really soon bye bye